listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 21st of February 2023. Well, BHP's half-year profit fell 32% to 6.46 billion US dollars, but it does follow a, a pretty spectacular previous year amid a peak in the commodity cycle. It will pay an interim dividend of 90 US cents per share. For more, I spoke earlier with its Chief Financial Officer, David Lamont. David, some of the commentary that I've seen today centre on the China lockdowns, inflation, falling commodity prices and bad weather culminating on earnings coming under pressure. Lower dividend too, but it does come off a very high base. So how would you describe the result? Yeah, so I think you pointed to one clear aspect, which was the dividend. So whilst it has come off, what we did pay in previous uh, corresponding period at 90 cents per share US is the fifth highest dividend that BHP has ever paid out. So I think you need to see it in relative terms in relation to past performance as well. So the underlying business has continued to perform well. Certainly the overall results have been impacted by a declining price. We saw 25% decline in iron ore prices, 19% decline in our overall copper uh, realised prices. Offsetting that though, we did have record production coming out of Western Australian iron ore. We did see our copper output up some 12%. So overall, we think it was a very solid result in the areas that we can control, which is our underlying operational performance. On inflation and interest rates, how are you managing both of them and how are they impacting your business? So certainly, firstly, on the inflationary side of things, we did see around about $1 billion impact to our EBITDA as a result of inflation. Now, if you translate that through to an underlying rate, it's around about 12%. What we do see, though, is some of the inputs going into that, like diesel, which was up 70% on prior corresponding period, we think we've probably hit the peak and started to see some um, relaxation coming through prices over the second half we would expect to see uh, on those inputs as such. For us, we have a a net debt position at the end of December at $6.9 billion. And when you think about interest rates in relation to that, it's a fairly minor overall impact for us. It does play a little bit, though, to the overall business environment. And we think that China will be a source of stability with India, a source of stability into the global economy, offsetting potentially what we're seeing in the US and also with Europe, who we think, think may well have already reached the limits in relation to interest rate increases. So what is your view of the economic environment? What's the thing that concerns you the most? Well, certainly from an economic perspective moving forward, as I said, underlying demand is a key focus for us. So what we are seeing is some green shoots coming out of that China environment, Uh, principally if you have a look at loan rates, if you have a look at the real estate segment as well, that's playing into how we're seeing that environment unfolding. For us also, though, uh, we, we still have headwinds on the inflationary side of things. So there's a balance here that we need to actually observe. So we're very diligent on what we can control, which is costs and the overall output of our business. What about your merger with Oz Minerals and the progress you're making in the world of sustainable energy? Because you've also confirmed that you're selling more of your local coking coal mines. Well, firstly, the the coking coal strategy that we have is very much wanting to be in the best of the best, so the premium end of the market. And that's what we actually have with our BMA assets. 
So the two mines that we're looking to sell are not so much the high premium coking coal, but more the semi-soft. And we think that that is consistent with our overall strategy of looking to enhance how the steel industry continues to work through their decarbonisation, and they can do that by processing our hard coking coal. So if you step back and look at the overall mega trends that we see playing out around the world, we certainly see an escalation in decarbonisation occurring. From our own side of things, we've made our commitments. So FY 2030, we see a 30% reduction in our Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, and we're well on track to actually achieve that. What we're also doing is working with around about 20% of the world's steel suppliers with them to see how they can also address Scope 3 emissions. So we're a firm believer that working in partnerships with our customers, we're able to deliver what needs to happen for the globe in relation to that decarb uh, ambitions. The Australian government benefits from your success in the form of higher iron ore prices. So just where do you see iron ore prices going? And can you quantify just how much tax you've paid to the government? Your release said $7.5 billion US dollars. Is that globally or to Australia? And just how important to the economy are you? So if you actually look at our contribution, it was $7.6 billion US dollars to governments around the globe. So that wasn't just uh, Australia. We certainly do need to play our share across the other jurisdictions that we actually operate within. What I would say to you is if you look at the Australian economy in, in a Australian dollar cons- context, $225 billion has been paid in the last 10 years from the mining industry. So we are a substantial contributor to the overall Australian um, government and also economy as such. You know, interesting also that it last year, if you actually look at the total tax paid by corporate Australia, BHP represented 10% of that. Equally, if you look at dividends that we've actually paid, uh, which goes ultimately to the vast majority of Australians that actually have interest in BHP either through their superannuation fund or by themselves, we actually contributed over 20% of the ASX 200 dividend flow. So the success of BHP flows directly to the Australian government and to our shareholders and the broader Australian community, whether that's our suppliers, our employees or indeed our shareholders. Finally, David, on diversity and inclusion, I note a third of your workforce is female. That's double 2016. I know it's a bit of an open question, but what else are you doing in this space, whether it be gender balance, cultural, LGBTIQ+, or Indigenous diversity? And what about the way you're also working with traditional landowners? So a really good question. And let me say, it's, it's pleasing that you've asked the question in that diversity aspect. So it's more than just gender. And we're certainly looking at that in relation to targets that we have for Indigenous. Uh, and we're also wanting to make sure that we get the right cultural mix. We fundamentally believe that our workforce should represent the communities in which we actually operate. And that's where our targets are set. And that's what we're driving towards. We know that by getting diversity, we get a better performing business. And, and that's our focus. David Lamont there, the CFO of BHP. Its shares did fall today, bringing the broader market lower, the S&P ASX 200 down by 0.2%, 7,336. For more on the day's market action, starting with his reaction to the BHP numbers, 
I spoke earlier with Mike Jenica. He's a portfolio manager at Credit Suisse. BHP profit is down, although it says it's one of the highest half-year earnings in the last decade. What's your take on it and why have investors reacted negatively? We're comfortable with BHP's financial performance. Uh, although the results are down on last year, the, the company uh, did benefit from a pretty large cyclical peak in commodity prices. And um, so against that performance, the results are down. Uh, but the results also demonstrate the high quality of the company's asset base. Uh, the earnings and returns remain healthy at the trough of the commodity cycle. Uh, and the company has also faced uh, pressure from operating cost increases. So despite all of these impacts, uh, the earnings are high historically and the dividend returns remain attractive. Uh, today's uh, reaction was largely a short-term move uh, as the headline profit was below consensus forecasts. Okay, let's now go to one of Australia's biggest supermarket retailers, Coles. It posted a 17% rise in half-year profit. But what's in the result to tell us about the way it's dealing with inflation and the way it's impacting consumers? Well, the inflation rate that Coles reported was uh, was pretty significant. So over the half, the they reported inflation in supermarkets of 7.4%. And the headline sales growth was lower than that at 4 so that suggests that the volumes are down, but that's largely due to uh, pandemic comparisons. And what they're saying is that volumes appear to be normalising at flattish levels. The other aspect of the environment that's coming through is on the cost side, where there's some uh, cost headwinds, uh, a little bit ahead of their sales growth, around 5% growth in costs. Uh, but they have also experienced some uh, improvement in COVID costs and supply chain uh, efficiencies. So overall, it was a pretty good performance. Um, going forward, what, what they're expecting from the customer side is an increased focus on value by sections of the uh, community who are facing cost of living increases. And they're targeting their promotional program and private labour range to facilitate some down trading from those customers. Okay, uh, it's profit reporting season. We're not going to make you go through all of the numbers, but what are you seeing from the results so far at the moment generally? And what are the trends? Uh, the biggest trend we'd say we're seeing is that we're in a high nominal growth environment. That's really the key trend we're seeing. Uh, and it's apparent to date that corporate pricing power remains strong. You know, we've seen several companies such as Amcor, the general insurers, Coles as well, we talked about earlier, uh, reporting inflation growth of around 7 to, to 10%. Um, and in general, there's been pretty limited volume impact from those price increases particularly in the domestic economy, which is showing some strong underlying demand trends. Uh, so costs are also rising. We're seeing that particularly in the mining sector. But in general, companies are maintaining their margins and dividend payouts uh, from the large, and the large companies remain in healthy shape. Um, so on the outlook, there's understandable caution from managers. Interest rates are rising around the world and economies are starting to feel the impact. But so far, profit margins are holding up. The RBA said today in its February board meeting minutes that it did indeed consider a 50 basis point increase. It did go for 25 basis points. And the other interesting thing is it said that it didn't even consider an, a no rate rise, right, a, a pause. So what's the market now thinking in terms of the terminal cash rate and will rates stay higher for longer? Well, on the second part of your question, uh, we are expecting in Credit Suisse that uh, interest rates are are going to be higher than they have been and will stay higher for longer uh, given the inflation pressures that we're seeing. 
So as far as the RBA is concerned, um, they are largely following a global trend, which is also manifesting itself in, in Australia. Uh, the market pricing on the terminal cash rate uh, is grinding higher uh, following the news from today. And uh, the, the market is now pricing in a terminal cash rate of uh, 4.27% by September. So a bit under a percent increase from where we are today. And it seems unlikely, uh, given the inflation pressures that the RBA is seeing in the domestic economy, uh, that rates will be uh, coming down uh, any time uh, this year. And just finally, so in this environment, what does it mean for investors and where are the opportunities? In the current environment, we believe uh, fixed income returns uh, are attractive, uh, much more so than historically. And uh, that includes cash, actually, where it yields on competitive term deposits um, are, are more attractive than they've been for quite some time. Uh, in the case of, uh, of equities, um, we believe markets have run uh, ahead of the fundamentals, uh, and we wouldn't be surprised to see a weaker period at some stage this year. Um, the main challenge that share markets face is that profits are at peak levels and are likely to come down. Uh, within uh, our portfolios, um, we have a preference for Australian shares compared to global shares, uh, as we expect a shallower earnings downturn than the and the large market sectors, uh, such as the banks, mining and energy, are continuing to perform well and are paying attractive dividends. Mark Janica there from Credit Suisse. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.